When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Hello everybody and welcome back to the Royal Blue Podcast in association with Sport Pacer. I'm Phil Kirkbride and today joined by Gav Buckland, Adam Jones and Paul Wheelock as we sift through all the major talking points and chew the fat over the big news at Goodison this week uh, as we... Mainly sit around here to preview the visit of Manchester City in the rearranged game tomorrow night. We will get to that um, in the second half of today's pod, but we will start with the comments via uh, Jim White on TalkSport of majority shareholder Fahad Mashiri, who has today given his public backing uh, to Marco Silva. Now I'm going to ask the lads right now whether it's a, voted, a, a, vote, sorry, a dreaded vote of confidence, mm-hmm. get, my, get my words out there, or a much-needed show of public support um, Adam where do you do you sit uh, on that side of the fence w- with uh, Mishiri's uh, comments yeah I'd go with the latter and I think probably Marco Silva's press conference has probably swayed me opinion on that like he was he was asked about Mishiri's comments in his press conference and he was very very calm very collected yeah he seemed like he had an answer prepared for it you know he like wasn't surprised at all he was saying look uh that kind of confidence that Mashiri's had in him, you know, uh, Mashiri was saying he was, he, with the amount of young players that Everton have got, he says Silva's a very talented coach to be able to try and bring them through into the first team. And, you know, Silva's was just saying, well, I felt, I felt that from the first moment to step through the door and I've had nothing that would change my mind on that, uh, on that opinion. So, yeah, I, th- I think it's a, like a much needed public show support as you say you know especially with uh, pressure from some quarters building mm. let's, say, let's say I think yeah it's it's nice for the owner like, I think he'd it'd probably be better if he wasn't doing it through Jim White but you know it'd be, it be it is nice to see the owner come out and publicly back the manager Willow um, Farhad also telling um, Jim White in this business you have to hold your nerve now Farhad would probably, I imagine, reflect that he perhaps hasn't done that in the past. Do you think that's somebody learning from past mistakes and realising that he has to stick with Silver, the man they'd fought for? Quite possibly, because it's, it's hit, him, hit him in the pocket, hasn't it? No doubt with <laughs> these last few appointments. <laughs> but, you know, I, I think it is probably welcome because there's no question that... I don't think there's been, like, intense speculation as him. And there's not really that much pressure, certainly at the home games that I've noticed, but it's clearly on social media people have looked at it and thought well you know if this run continues what's going to happen because Mishiri rightly or wrongly has got a record of, of changing managers hasn't he since he's, he's come to Goodison so I think it's a, a welcome sign that he's, he's going to give him time but I just think it's uh, comp- I think it's an interesting time to do it as well because whereas previously under Allardyce probably didn't have too many complaints about the results it was more the style of football but this has definitely come on the back of a bad run isn't it it's yeah. almost saying it's almost like an admittance almost that 
listen, it's not going the way we wanted, but long term, we still think he's the man for the job. And I think Marco will probably appreciate that because it's no question, certainly among supporters, if not at, at the ground itself, people are beginning to question whether, you know, maybe his job will be on the line at some point. Gav, you're Marco Silva. Are you, are you pleased that, that, that Farhad has, has come out and, and, and got that message out there? Or are you thinking, well, by talking about it, it, it actually thrusts my job security back into the limelight again, you know? It just perpetuates the issue? Only time will tell, I suppose, really. I mean, Mashiri gave, uh, gave Kuman a force of confidence and uh, it, it didn't last long. Though his words... It's weird today were far more reassuring, shall meaningful, we say, yeah. meaningful, I think, than uh, perhaps the, the, the Cuban uh, uh, and that incident or whatever you call it. And we, uh, we're in a better position, point, point in position-wise, I think, albeit on a sort of struggling for form. So in, ter- in terms of question, only time will tell. If, if we still have a good... If we still have, you know, the bad form continues, but then we pick up again, and Marco's still in the job, you'd probably say... I will, you know, thanks for hard for sticking with me. Mm. It's a bit like Howard in '83, isn't it? Um, so I think it's probably a little bit too early to say, yeah, because you, you just don't know what's going to happen over the next few games. And I know we'll probably come on to some point our, our home games in the next couple of months aren't the yeah. uh, aren't the best to cultivate <laughs> yes. a decent run out, shall we say? But it does give an opportunity. Do you, I, I'm just thinking. Do you, is your feeling that Silver would 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 as 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 Wheelow suggested appreciate it? Do do managers appreciate owners coming out and giving them the support? Good question. Uh, I don't know. I've not been a manager of a Premier League club, so I don't know. What I would say is, <laughs> if, and a if, that I was, if I was an employee, yeah, no, yeah, I've always been angry for the job. Um, if I was an employee and my employer said that, I'd be, I'd be looking for these actions to support the words. Okay, then. Mm. I mean, you don't know what's said behind the scenes as well yes. here as well. You yeah, know what I mean? Of course. And th- th- there may be stuff going on behind the scenes, conversations-wise, that actually will give you that extra reassurance. But it's up to Farhad to, to be true to his words, isn't it? But, uh, yeah, you will be... You, you perhaps be more... Uh, you know, you're more short over that than Farhad coming out and saying, like, Marco's got two games to save his job or something <laughs> like that. You know what I mean? One of them's the derby. So, in in short, yes, I yeah. think it will be. Um, Farhad reportedly is told, uh, TalkSport and Jim White, we want young players to develop, they need to play. Marco Silva is a talented coach, but he's planning long term. He will coach and develop those young players, and every year those same young players will become stronger from a supporter's point of view, then, Ad, you know, you know, we've we've, we've discussed how Marco will be feeling as a supporter and, and, and general feeling as a supporter base. How do you think the reaction has been to to Farhad's comments? Uh, I think it's been a generally a pleasing one. You know, it's always it's always nice to see. You know, we we all know that we're in a bad run of form at the minute, but I think everyone just needs a reminder about the kind of size of the project that we're taking on here, and the you know, we might not be seeing it now, but big steps are being made behind the scenes you know like we're bringing in so many of these young players you know uh, I think Marco made the point in his press conference that all, all of his substitutions uh, against Wolves they were 21 or younger like Luckman Calvert-Lewin and uh, John Joe Kenny mm. so you know we've got a, we've got a really good 
breed of youngsters coming through, even with the under-23s as well. You know, and of course, that comes that with, with the benefits of having young players. There are obviously the are downfalls, aren't there? The form hmm. and, and consistency. And well, yeah, that, that's what happens to any young player, really. Even you know, someone the likes of Richarlison, who we've spent big money on. You know, he's still it's just a twenty-one-year-old. You know, the you do the, forget, don't we? Yeah, exactly. You know, every player like that goes through peaks and troughs, especially, you know, when you consider this is only his second season in the Premier League, you know, perhaps we can expect uh, uh, form to tail off in that sort of sense. And that's probably why we've not seen as much as Adam Ola-Luchman as we might have liked to. Uh, Tom Davis hasn't really got a look in over the last couple of months. Dominic Calvert-Lewin's been in and out of the side as well. But I think they've all played important roles so far this season and they will continue to for the rest of this term and I think it's nice that the emphasis is being put on them because they do represent the future you know we'll be wanting in the summer to see a clear out of the older generation let's say of players and we'll want to see uh, the same kind of formula that happened last summer you know bringing in players who were all 26 or younger over the the last summer transfer Mm. window we'll want to see a repeat of that try and get as many young players in as possible because we want to we do want to breed this sort of long-term project that Mashiri is referring to there. So I think it's very promising to hear those kind of comments. Willow, did it give you the clarity that you felt like you needed or did you did you not need necessarily to hear somebody from the football club through the medium of, of radio um, relay that message about the manager's situation? I think it's like Gav said, the proof will be in the pudding, won't it, to see what happens. So if Everton was to lose four, five or six in the next games, maybe you'd have to review it because, you know, the ultimately results will dictate how a manager gets on, whether it's a long-term or a short-term project, in, in my opinion. I think, I think it was good that he's come out because there's no question that there is a debate going on at the moment as whether Everton is becoming what you like, inverted commas, a sacking club. Mm. And I think if it, people realise that this guy is going to be Everton's manager for longer term whatever happens this season people may have more patience because I think that patience is beginning to be tested I know we've used the word a lot this season but I think any manager I think it's 8 defeats in 14 mm. now huh. that's that's a pretty bad run you know let alone for just a manager of Everton for any manager if maybe we have to maybe it's just trying to put everything back in the bigger picture here that you know this season it's that that classic word is transition. You know, you're trying to bring young players through, so there are going to be ups and downs. And, and Michelle is admitting that, but it kind of bit of a contradiction for me at times because Marco's quite consistently said we've got to try and improve on last season. And at the interesting, he just seems to have, uh, have sort of the veil on that seems to have dropped recently. He seems yeah. to now be saying, "Yeah, we've got to get seventh effectively." When all throughout the season he was being very guarded about targets. Yeah. Why do you think he suddenly changed? I don't know when. Maybe it's because Big Sam's in the media all the time. <laughs> Not shutting up about where he finished last season. I don't know. But yeah, it, it, it just came as a bit of a mixed message. I, I welcome what Mishiri said today because it gives a bit of clarity that Marco's going to be the manager and, you know, it, he's here for the long haul, so to speak. But what's the target then? You know, this season, if because at the moment, to finish seventh, it doesn't look like Everton are going to do that on, on current form and given those fixes you were talking about earlier. So it's just, I'd like a bit more clarity about that. What would be, what, what would be seen this season as and, successful? And, and Gav, if we don't get seventh, does that change the, the thinking at the top? I mean, they're, they're no. just, just going on. My, on my, my, if you wanted my opinion on the target, my, my target this year for Everton is to do as well enough to keep Marco in his job. Yeah. To be honest with you, yeah. yeah, because I think I don't see the point of no, you know, getting rid. Uh, so enough, 
in both in terms position wise and performance wise. Not necessarily results wise against the bigger teams at Goodison, but certainly performance wise we can it, it gets it's this trajectory thing we keep on talking about that you know, we said that the start of the season collectively agreed that we wanted to see a gradual improvement throughout the campaign. But we got that in the first four four months, didn't we? And then we've dipped dramatically. We wanted what we want to do in the next thirteen games, whatever it is, is is start that upward slope again. And that upward slope for me it is have enough of a incline of it and whatever to, to ensure that Marco keeps his job. Seventh is eminently achievable. Uh, I, I suspect five points though, off at the minute, are we? Yeah, yeah. I haven't seen our run in though. And don't look at our home fixtures. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> but there's an opportunity there, isn't it? Absolutely, you know what I mean? Yeah, there's joking. an opportunity. That, um, the seventh, eighth, or ninth wouldn't be the worst results as long as we finish the season mm. well. Uh, but that's at the moment you're looking at it and you're thinking. So there's got to be some big changes on the pitch for that to happen, isn't it? And that's what Marco challenges, isn't it, to to to, to make that happen? Just just open this one up to, to to anybody to answer. Do you think there's genuinely? We totally understand frustration after games and anger, and you know, people rightly exasperated with set pieces and a whole myriad of of problems that have sort of besieging us at the minute. But do you really think any of you there is an appetite given what we've been through in the last? Two and a half years, three years, appetite for another managerial change. Well, within from the within the club or within well, the supporters? supporters. Sorry, yeah. I think some supporters certainly yeah. because it's not as if we had a standout candidate for the job over, over the summer. Marco Silva became the standout candidate, but he certainly wasn't with the fans. You know, the fans were debating for weeks really about who they really wanted as manager, and you saw I saw a lot of supporters at the time commenting rightly or wrongly, on Silva's previous appointments in the Premier League. You know, he's only stayed a few months at Hull, couldn't save them from relegation in the end. And he stayed a few months at Watford, had his head turned, performances went down the drain and he eventually got the sack from there. So, yeah, I, th- I think supporters were always carrying that bit of baggage around with them, even like throughout the good form. And now we've hit that poor run of form. I think for some supporters, all that kind of... All that kind of negative feeling before, even before the appointment, yeah. is starting to rush towards the surface a little bit. And I think, I think the thinking is rather that some supporters feel Silver's not the right man. They're not thinking of whether a, another managerial change would be good for the club or not, which it absolutely would, wouldn't be. It'd be, I think, it'd be dreadful. So, yeah, yeah, I, th- I do think there is. I, I agree with what I'm saying there. And there's this other thing, isn't it? This. Um talking about like a couple of pods ago about this burden of history that's rapidly becoming rising to the surface of like 20 odd years without a trophy that is also like I think influencing fans opinion and I think the frustrations are not just with the managers just the club as a whole mm. like having mm. had yeah. lots of money to spend having gone through three or four managers we're no you know we're, we're further away of winning a trophy than what we were under Moyes you know 10 years ago and I think there's that sort of short term thing but that sort of long term dissatisfaction I think, and I can understand that, you know, we don't have to go through the reasons why we've not won a trophy for 20 odd years. And I think that's one of the reasons, it's not just with Silver, I think there's just a dissatisfaction of the, we've changed the manager three or four times over the last four years and we're no further down the line. In fact, we appear to be, you know, regressing. Mm. And I think that that also comes into it, you know, the conversations I've had with uh, with people. I think it creates an air of impatience, really, doesn't it? Because we've got we've gone... 
we've gone for so long without success. We've had, especially the last three or four years, have just been well below what what we could have ever expected, really. Yeah. And it just creates, like, I don't think it's particularly Silver's fault that there is this air of impatience now. It's just the, the previous years before yeah. have just been so bad. We expected a little bit of a change this year. Like, we did get that change, and now we've hit that bad run of form again. And I think people are just... People just want big results quickly. Yeah. So, I, I, so I, should Silver be the fall guy? Then it seems a bit unfair. And no, no, it's massive, no, no massively I, know, unfair. I agree. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And and I think it's Adam's point there about impatience is right. Is that when historically, and it's not just in this country, Italy's a prime example of it. If if a club starts appointing a series of managers, the ta- as that run carries on, they get a short and short appeared at the time to to prove themselves because yeah. the impatience level. Yes. dwindles with mm. each successive appointment mm-hmm. and you see that lots of times especially broad and you're seeing that a little bit with Everton now aren't you uh, I'll be like the silver point is also valid that you know given those reservations about his appointments in the first place and I think once you get once you get on that where you're only fourth and fifth manager it becomes a shorter window you've got to to prove yourself and I think that's you are right I think silver's a victim of that that sort of scenario as much as anything else. And it's played out at other clubs. I think it's probably played out over Man United, doesn't it? Over Chelsea. Mm. Chelsea, you know. And I think um I think he that's that's a cycle. And I think Farhad may be cognizant of this. That's a cycle that I think Farhad is trying to break right. out of. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Well interestingly, um Jim White also relayed from his uh, conversation with Farhad that Farhad is a massive fan of the Spurs model and what Daniel Levy has done with Pochettino. So if you're Marco Silva and, and people at Everton, what, what are you thinking from that, you know, from that information? Are you thinking, well, that means that through thick and thin, he's going to back me, um, but there may be transfer windows where he <laughs> refuses to spend yeah, any yeah. money. Um, you know, uh, you know, obviously they're moving to a new stadium like we're hoping to do. There's, I suppose there are kind of similarities. Uh, Wheeler, what do you think on that? Yeah, I remember in the summer when uh, he got appointed that people were making those parallels. And I remember reading a story about, uh, I think it was a Spurs fans' website about Pochettino's first season. And, and they were more or less saying, it's kind of like being erased from history given the, the success without trophies he's had at Tottenham, that it was a really up and down season. You know, uh, some of the big players that are in the side now weren't performing that well, and it did take him take his time. But the thing about Pochettino after that first season, it became rapid, didn't it? Mm. And I think with, with Marco, I think what Gavin Adams said is absolutely spot on. He's probably got the weight of history on his back, which is no fault of his own. But I think from an Evertonian's point of view, at the moment, it's the set pieces. And it's probably the something you've covered on this pod recently. It's just the lack of variation in, in, in the kind of style of play or the system at the moment. Because I think that's what Mark, now he's had this backing from Mishiri, that he's got to, something's got to change between now and the end of the season. Over that, otherwise, that kind of negative perception of him and those fans who weren't too keen on him in the first place, that'll linger. Because certainly on Saturday, there's no booing or people saying oh I've had enough of this fella which happened certainly under Allardyce last season but there were a few rounders just saying like something's got to change here it's just not working mm. we, you know, we need something different Marco We're not, not pleading in a way but people were, were were frustrated how much then is Gav you can answer this because you're poisoned ready to say yeah something. I was going to say another point but I'll save that yeah how much of it then is the balance between a manager you hire a manager or a head coach who's got a very distinct and defined idea of how he wants to play football. He's giving you the pitch and you get, this is how we want our players to play. And then 
ex, you know, expecting the existing players to be able to pick it up? Or is the you have to wait until you've got a whole squad of players who are receptive fully to the coach? Or has the coach got to bend to the players that he's got? Sounds like an A-level question. That. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was something Sam alluded to, wasn't it? A couple of weeks ago. Oh, God. Well, yeah, dare I say. <laughs> about, you know, the... the it fits in with my point is that we all I think the, the general agreement in the summer is and this is just general fans talking here you know we need three or four transfer windows to yeah, sort this out this out and the reason we're saying that is is your point isn't it is is is, is if you we said Pochettino it's Pochettino Freudian slip Silver needs to come <laughs> in and bring modern football to the club like the Spurs type of football what you see across the park modern football to the club uh, I don't think we've got the players to do that I think the players that have come in some of them perhaps can do that but it's going to take time to deliver that because it's quite clear that a large number of the squad can't do it for lots of different reasons uh, so that's going to take so to fit in with that we need three or four transfer windows to go from A to B getting rid of silver a quarter way through that journey it's, 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 it, it doesn't fit in what people said they needed at the start. We need three or four transfer windows and, and to deliver what we need to do under Silver. So, okay, so give them three or four transfer windows because it, it, it becomes a pointless exercise otherwise. Um, but that doesn't, the, the, saying that, that doesn't excuse some of the performances we've seen since uh, December. Mm-hmm. I think there's, there's, you know, that that may limit the amount of progress we can make, uh-huh. but it's not. It does next year making no progress or going backwards like we are doing at the moment. Uh-huh. Adam, last one on this before we move on. Marco, after the game on um, on Saturday, was asked in the um, in the separate whether he was like Sarri at Chelsea, struggling to motivate the players. He uh-huh. said, "Motivation is, as he borrowed his phrase, an obligation. Is it isn't something that." Effectively, any coach should have to um, bring out of a player. It should be there. You're playing for Everton. You shouldn't need no more motivation. Do you do you think there's any any um, any sort of weight to the argument that maybe he is struggling to motivate some of the players? Uh, I think having a look at some of the performances, it'd be be a bit silly of me to say that there isn't any weight to that argument because there is there's clearly something mentally going on in some of these players that they just can't seem to get themselves up. You know, like thinking primarily about the game against Millwall really you know how how many of those players were really up for going to Millwall on a rainy Saturday night I'd I'd argue maybe one or two of them Mm. but really not many of them and not enough to to get the result that Everton fans desperately wanted having travelled all that way but at the same time I do agree with what Marco's trying to say you know the end of the day, these players have been well. The majority of them have been brought in for big money. If they haven't been brought in for big money, they've come through the ranks. Really, you know, they they should have some sort of affinity to Everton. You know, they, this is this is a massive club. This is a massive opportunity for a lot of these players. And I think over the last couple of months, they've wasted it, squandered it. A lot of them. Like it's just it's been really dire and dull. Like I think dull's probably the best way I can. Describe, especially Everton's performance against Wolves like really didn't offer anything going forward like Gomez's goal was the only bit of quality that Everton showed throughout and you know there was just that bit of lack of effort that lack of energy you just 
Wolves only needed to be, you know, that ten percent, twenty percent more energetic than Everton, and that was it. They'd they'd over they'd overrun the entire match, and they're coming out of Goodison with deservedly all three points. So I can see what Marco's trying to say that he shouldn't need to motivate these players, but the fact is that he does have to motivate mm. these players now. Like he can't. I don't think he can keep thinking like that. He he does now need to find some way to motivate these players uh, from now until the end of the season, at the very least. It's too often lately, I know you did this stat when I was in here after Southampton, once goal, goal behind, feels like we're beaten. Mm. You know, the, the, the Gomez goal all, came out of the blue, didn't yeah, it, on yeah. Saturday and, and all of a sudden, but then as soon as the second one went in, it's just too often at the moment. Well, Marco said um, after the goal, after the third goal went in on Saturday, he said the reaction was not normal. That worried me that. Half, I thought half an hour to go, wasn't it? I that? thought the reaction after our goal wasn't normal. Like, at home, just score the goal essentially out of the blue. A really good goal. The fans were, you know, really up for it after that. You'd expect then the players to put on about five, ten minute spell where they just go, right, let's go at these now. Let's see if we can, let's see if we can rattle them a bit. Yeah. Like, they just did a minute of keeping the ball after the kickoff and then it was back to just Wolves, Wolves pressure until we gave away that cheap free kick which led to the second goal it's just it's the same old mistakes that we've been seeing seeing for the last two months but that, that's the fans frustration so what before I think the most recent it's, it's, it's an incessant on this isn't it I think it depends what type of player you're looking at what age they are but you've got several players who are probably on their last big contract on their own big money so they'll be actually thinking and let's face it we've named two or three here mm-hmm. who are in the squad one or two are in the team regularly who uh, who actually? What's their motivation now? Yeah, you know, yeah. Th- th- I've got I've got my last big contract. See that out, maybe play elsewhere for a couple of years. So, I think I think that might be some of the some of the players where Marco's talking about. Younger players, you would think, as we started the pod, coming through, they should be evidently self motivated because they want to create a football. Some are playing for the team they support and stuff like yeah. that. So. Mm-hmm. Their motivation should should be there, but you want something a bit more than that. In and I was thinking about this. I don't know if you ever seen. I've seen the soccer box with the, the Neville brothers. No. Um, and Gary Neville's talking about Tim Cale, and, and like Phil Neville's talking about motivation yeah. and stuff like this. And and and, and Gary Neville said he said Tim Cale was the one player he's seen in Everton all all the years who had the attitude and the motivation of a Man United player. He said he was horrible. But, but yeah, yeah. He said he said. And I was thinking that, so some of that motivation thing, it comes from selecting the right, buying the right players in the first place, doesn't mm. it? It's, it's identifying them, those players who don't need motivating, mm. isn't it? Mm. Rather than buying players and then say, I've got to say, motivate you now. It's actually, you know, Moise was, Moise was a perfect manager for doing that. You buy players who were, who were self-motivated, you know, Jags, even like Coleman, you know, people like that. Baines, Baines you know, whole, whole, whole raft of players, Phil Neville. Mm. You know, uh, for example, Kale, but obviously we saw that. He, he, the players he bought were self-motivated. I wouldn't imagine he would have had to have... More, more, he probably will. Probably somebody pick a quote out now. <laughs> I can't remember Moy saying yes. too, too much around that about, about players needing to be motivated. Because I think he bought the, those players who he knew. Because, his, his, you know, as we all know, his recruitment policy was painstaking, wasn't it? Indeed. In fact, mm. too painstaking at times. But he, I think he removed that problem in his... It's transfer policy. I think something's going wrong if you're buying players and then you're wondering, well, hang on, these players aren't mm-hmm. motivated. Yeah. Well, that's, that's I think part that, of the that's, problem. That's that's the problem, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. yeah. And I think, I think, but there are some older players there actually 
and you've said before, Adam, about needing to get rid of some of, some of them is, is actually... Yeah. You wonder where, what their current motivation is. Indeed. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Indeed, we could talk about that all day, no doubt, but uh, we should move on to the visit of Manchester City. Um, we all want ever to win, don't we? Just, Definitely. No, there's, no, there's no denying <clears throat> yeah. that. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Can you understand then? Because people listening were obviously f- fully aware of what I was alluding to there. There appears a, a sizable or healthy, it appears that way, section of, of Everton fans who actually would take a defeat because obviously it would help dent Liverpool's title hopes. I can't get my head around that. It's, um, it's too far out, isn't it? Yeah. Like, it's not like it was in May 2014. There's only two mm. or three games left. We've got. 12, 13 games left, plus Spurs are still sort of involved along the way. I like that tweet. What was that tweet before? But somebody said if Marco gets the results, he should, tomorrow he should be sacked. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's the last yeah. shot. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I can see why people say that, but once you get in the ground, it's a different uh, kettle of fish, isn't it, really? And uh, I've, I'm not really interested in our impact of our results. I just want the result tomorrow for, for all the reasons you said in the podcast thus far, you know. This time last week, City were about to lose to, to Newcastle. And then the next night, Liverpool had a chance to go seven points clear. Fast forward the week, City could go top. Yeah. So the title is not going to be decided by Everton losing or beating Man City on, on Wednesday. And I think with any Evertonians, I think our desperation for a win is much more important than help uh, not helping Liverpool out, you know, in that, that bit of the title. They'll win it or lose it on their own, mm. to be honest. So mm. I, I don't get that. I can understand, like... As Gav said, the, the scenario uh, four four five years ago, or even the classic one ninety five with Blackburn going to Liverpool to win the title, it's mixed emotions because it's it's all or nothing almost on days like this. But this one just can't get my head around yeah. that at all. I mean, I, I can slightly understand it. Like I, I agree with both of you two on a personal level, but haven't been brought up by my dad, who's the most bitter man, <laughs> the, the most bitter man going. He doesn't want anything good to ever happen to Liverpool Football Club so I think I think he would he would take anything to get them as far down the table yeah. as possible so the name, I mean I've seen Liverpool win 11 league titles you know so yeah, about, yeah yeah doesn't really matter God, uh, have you have you done that yeah I've <laughs> seen Everton win a couple as well yeah, like, yeah, that's, yeah. What yeah. that's what I'm saying <laughs> some, some, this is an age thing isn't it you know uh, but you, you, I can see in f- 14, definitely. Even though we had something to play for there, didn't we, really? Because yeah, we were still League. knocking on the doors of the Champions League. God, um, if we hadn't, if we hadn't yeah, messed up that days. Palace game. But, but to, yeah, I know. Um, to, sorry, as an aside, if we turn right to our modern history, that's one of the big turning points, isn't it? Mm-hmm. The, the, the defeat by Palace. Mm-hmm. But uh, I can't... You, 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 all the problems you've got at the moment with silver, etc., etc., what we spoke about here, that has to take precedence over everything, doesn't it, tomorrow night? Including, you know, the the impact of any positive results have, we have on the championship race. That, that's the most important thing yes. tomorrow. Because the thing is, the, the thing, okay, so what we're going to do, I'll roll over tomorrow and all of a sudden play Liverpool whatever, and then turn it back on again. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Wouldn't the best thing between now and the end of the season, us getting the result tomorrow as a, as a, as a source of spring? Yeah, as long as we beat both of them, then we've evened well, ourselves out. Yeah, 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 there we go. The thing that sits with me is that it, like when we look at our last few home games of the season now we've got five against five of the best teams in the country and then we've got Burnley 
last home game of the season who could be fighting relegation up to that point. Like, we don't know. But they're going to be six really tough home games from now until the end of the season. And you're thinking that it's it's crucial, really, that Silver's got to pull a result or two out against one of these one exactly. of these big teams, which which hasn't happened. I've not looked it up, but I don't think that's happened since we beat City. I think four nil. Was that the last time? I think we... the clubs missing that. The fan base are definitely missing a big night or a big afternoon at Goodison because you look at the teams that Everton have beat this year. The biggest pretty, result, that we... it's nondescript, isn't yeah. it? You know, yeah. you know the biggest not... result that we had last season was beating West Ham four 0 Yeah, and then and you're that, going back that, to that, City. That's ludicrous, really. I'm, I don't want to hark back to Moyes, but quite often in some seasons where if it wasn't top five, top six most seasons you get a big result yeah you'd, you'd take you a scalp of like a Chelsea or yeah, yeah quite yeah. often after like cup semi-finals defeats where you're thinking oh Everton and then they go and draw 4-4 at United or yeah, City 2-0 yeah. at Beat home United 3-1 I don't know and I think it yeah. needs that more than anything the question is whether this team can deliver it I, I don't know mm-hmm. really well alright then how do we how do we set up tomorrow night to try and get a result no 15 players on the pitch <laughs> <laughs> the yeah. no Mina no Jags no uh, Baines in Testamon Guys back. Play Guardiola's team, I always think. You need a big striker. Tough front. Yeah, Chavaloon seems natural to play, just, doesn't he? Just yeah. to, so, to beat the press, to play the ball along. And I always think he should play a, bla- a, a bla- flat three. <laughs> <laughs> a flat three in midfield is because I think like Guardiola's team, that they're, they're superb at getting the ball between the full-back and the centre-half and they're exploiting that space. And I think if you've got a flat three in midfield, I think you're far more capable of defending against that than just with, with you know two in front of the, the back four. Uh, who those three players will be is an interesting question. Because I think is Guy back tomorrow? Yes, he yes. Yes. Yeah. So Guy Gomez and A another. Who that A another is is probably harder to because mm. I don't think Sigerson can do it. Um whether you want Sigerson to do it is another question. Is whether you would I don't know ideally that's what I want, but I can't do you, think do of you a run place. the risk of therefore You've got Tom Davis, whose form's looking down at the yeah. minute. Do you just say, go on, Tom, you do the job? Or do you risk a James McCarthy who's not played in over a year? Do you play Morgan Schneidlin, who's barely played? I think you'd, I think you'd end up going Davis. Hmm. Uh, he, he was actually... feel for the lad last couple of the games, or certainly on Saturday, is that he's... he's you know, we talk about motivation and stuff. He's trying, isn't he? He's doing he's his best. I didn't think he was too bad on yeah, Saturday. Yeah, I didn't think he was OK. Didn't he got caught out for the... Yet. The chance thing with Den Donker, but uh, I think yeah, Davis guy and Gomez, I think is a flat three, and then who three up front? There, there, could, there is a argument for tomorrow for not playing Sigurdsson. An argument that just I have form, made. Form, <laughs> form. You know what the thing about say about Sigurdsson is, I don't know whether he's not been the same since he got tackled to Chelsea on his ankle. You know, on his mm. ankle at Chelsea. If you have a look at his form this season. There's a dip. There's been a dip since the Chelsea game. Interesting. That that's just my opinion. Maybe mm-hmm. a load of cobblers. But no. if you have if you have a look over his performances since the Chelsea game, he's tailed off. I'm just wondering whether he got that knock, didn't he? And and I'd I'd say drop Sigurdsson and I'd play. I'd play well. I'd play Walcott for his pace because I think when they push there, you've got, you've got to. I think I play Walcott for his pace. Adam obviously agrees with me. <laughs> uh, and I play Richarlison. And, and I'd try and exploit the pace, uh, the space where the, the full-backs sometimes leave, like Liverpool do. I would, I would play Bernard on the right wheeler. I'd go along with that, and I'd go along with uh, giving Gilfie a rest. Big fan of his, but 
I just don't think we can play like we played most of the season at home and certainly like we played against Wolves on Saturday. Sigerson was more or less like a second striker. The room in midfield was absolutely ridiculous and not for the first time this season. <clears throat> I thought the only reason we didn't lose four or five goals on Saturday was their p- poor finishing. We've seen, we've not played one of the top teams apart from Tottenham. We all witnessed what happened that day without Guy. I'm completely with you, Gav. I play three defensive, more defensive-minded midfielders, play two people wide and a Calvert-Lewin up top because we're not going to out-football City. We can we can try and take the games from like we did against Tottenham, but if we do that, we will lose. I think we have to almost go in there and try and defend what we've got tomorrow night. And I know that may go against what Marco Silva's principles are and what he's trying to bring to Goodison, but at certain times, I think you've got to take on what, you know, what you've got to take on. Like, if you know yeah, what I mean, yeah, you can't, yeah. sometimes you've got to give a bit of leeway and say, this is Man City coming. They are better than us. So, and maybe go back to that kind of old school Moorish mentality that we used to have. You know, I'm not saying it's a different era, it's a different manager, but again, like that second half against Bournemouth, the second half against Huddersfield, when they shown real fights, we didn't see any of that on Saturday against Wolves. I think the Goodison crowd would respond to that as well. So, mm. Daniel, before Adam says his team... I always think like one of the things with that is Gomez has got to be most forward midfielder because that's the role he should be playing for the club. You know, like this goal on Saturday, that's the areas of pitch he should be getting into a lot more than what he has been getting into. Um, And what he was doing in his first few games for us, but he's got deeper and deeper. And I think think tomorrow's an ideal opportunity in that setup for him to play him more as the forward forward out to the three. I think he was actually, when he plays with Davis in a two, I think Marco actually asks Gomez to drop deeper mm-hmm. yeah well Tom was sometimes most forward yes. midfielder yeah, wasn't yeah. he on, on Saturday but ideally which I me, think is his best position yeah for me I think I think Gomez I think Gomez's ability to see a pass and general game intelligence I think it's far better utilised nearer their half than ours a bit yeah. like the performance at Anfield dare I yeah, say yeah but mm. six yard box should have scored mm-hmm. yeah Add thoughts on the team before uh, we wrap up. I don't I don't know whether I'm maybe being a little bit more naive. I wouldn't I wouldn't play three defensive midfielders. I'd play two. I'd play Bernard centrally in behind Calvert Lewin, and I'd play Luchman and Richarlison on the wings, and essentially set up to hit them on the counter attack because they're going to dominate possession anyway. We might as well set up in a way that's going to combat that. Similar to what uh, what you lads were saying, you know, try and hit them where the fullbacks are going to leave a bit of space hit them with as much pace. I think Bernard's got a lot of precision in his pass and I'd love to see how he works centrally rather than being shoved out wide. I think it's it's a position that I've wanted to see him play for a little while now. So yeah. hopefully he can he can do what I'm hoping he can do, which is play some really nice incisive passes out wide, crosses into the box to Calvert-Lewin and uh, we'll maybe hit them on, on the counter more a few like times. like the 4-4-2, you mean? Almost, almost, yeah. I just, I I just, I don't want to sit back too much against a Guardiola City because you just invite the pressure onto you then, and they, they'll, they'll just lap that up and they'll, they'll try and dom. If we've got a set game plan to just to hit to have that danger, that'll always be in the back of their mind. Then they're thinking. Mm. can't commit too many men forward here because they've got you know Bernard Luchman and Richarlison looking to, looking to yeah. looking to hurt us where if, if we were to lose the ball so yeah I'd, I'd, I'd want to keep as much attack and threat as we possibly can and I think that's probably the best way to do it OK, okay just very quickly uh, predictions Gav <laughs> <laughs> I'm not you know what I'm going to say after all that's gone on this week 
one all. Paul? I always try to be positive, but I just think it'd be a comfortable City 3 1 win. <gasps> Sacrilege on the road, but no, okay. no. But before I be honest, <laughs> we're going to beat them 2 1. I think we'll get. I think we'll get a draw, one-one. That's what I'm thinking. So, fingers crossed, uh, we get something positive and uh, can build towards Watford before the 17-day break uh, before Cardiff. We'll reconvene later in the week to speak about the Watford game and reflect on what's hopefully been a positive evening at Goodison against Manchester City. Thank you very much for listening. You can subscribe, rate, and review us on iCast and the iTunes, uh, iTunes and Acast apps. Please do. Uh, you've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast in association with Sport Pacer. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.